Um, so, good morning. You might want to start turning, by the way, to Mark 3, 11 to 20, uh, uh, 13 to 21 and 31 to 35. So, firstly, Rahus, Rahus Adish Amet Igberelkum. I'm getting good at this, aren't I? Uh, where, where is he? Where is he? Feliz Ano uh, Novo. He's not here yet today. Or Sale No Mubarak. That's pretty good, isn't it? Or, 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 or in South African, is Dennis here? Happy New Year! <laughs> We're not very PC. Oh, I'm not very PC at uh, Jubilee. If you're a visitor here today, welcome. Happy New Year. Uh, thanks for coming along. This is a great church. It's great to be church of so many languages and cultures and backgrounds. A church that welcomes us all. As we were uh, singing and dancing and worshipping with the very little kids just in the side there, John John, as we were kind of going around dancing, jumping up and down, said, let's do this together. I believe that was prophetic. Yeah, and that's my prayer actually for this year. Let's do this together, Jubilee. Yeah, and that's actually what we're going to be unpacking today. Um, so right from the outset, a big thank you to you all. A big, big thank you. Well done for serving God over 2015, being faithful, opening to the, open to the Spirit, loving one another, living your lives generously, all out for one another. The church really is the hope of the world. It sometimes doesn't seem like it, but the church really is. Jesus said so. Uh, Jesus is building, he's really building his church. He's growing it. He's spreading it across the world. He's bringing more and more people in. I'm really excited about this next year to come. And I would encourage you as you pray, as you listen to some of those vision talks from November and as we go through our preaching series over this next year and worshipping and doing things together, let's be a people who are excited about what God is going to do in the future. Um, so as you probably gathered, we've now finished our sermon series on Jeremiah. I've loved uh, digging into that book over the next four weeks. We're going to be unpacking four scriptures, actually, four scripture passages that have been really speaking to us, myself, Sarush, Simon, um, um, over, the, over the last few months and actually in previous uh, eldership teams over years, shaping our understanding about what it means to be the people of God. What is a biblical understanding of community in the church? That's what we're going to be doing over the next four weeks. Uh, as we move into the new, uh, the new year, as, as I unpacked on those two Vision Sundays way back in November, um, we're going to be re restructuring our community group set up a little. I, you may remember me talking about that. Um, what we've been calling our devoted community plans. Um, why have we called it devoted? Uh, these names just come to me. <laughs> Trailblazers. Because yeah. as we read in Acts 2.42, when the Spirit of God fell on the early church, they were what? They were devoted to. Not just, they didn't just put up with each other. It wasn't because they felt they had to. No, the Bible says they were devoted. They devoted themselves to life with each other and to Jesus in a radical, inspiring display of sacrificial, loving, generous, faith-filled community life together. And that's our prayer. That's my prayer for this church as we grow. 
So what are the changes? I'm just going to briefly unpack that for you. We're going to be talking about it. It's going to become more practical over the coming weeks. You're going to get leaflets and whatnot. I don't know if they're out yet. No, they're going to, uh, we're going to, there's going to be leaflets and whatnot over the coming uh, weeks and sign-up sessions. But what are, what are the changes? Well, from February, once a month, we're going to be grouping two or three of our existing community groups into one larger devoted group. Once a month, these devoted groups will gather for a time of friendship and worship and prayer and celebration in kind of bigger, more diverse settings. Uh, these evenings won't just be copies of Sunday morning. They'll be varied in what they look like in Sarusha's group. Almost certainly there'll be kebabs as you're getting the message. Uh, there'll, there'll be a more sizable event than our smaller community group gatherings. Uh, they'll mix you all up a bit so that you're building wider friendships and helping others uh, to befriend one another. A bit like what happened during our Equip uh, Weeks uh, last year. There'll be a training ground for leadership to develop. That's why we're doing them. For all of us, actually, to step out in faith and courage in terms of the prophetic, spiritual gifts, leading worship, encouraging one another through the Word. These bigger gatherings will have a more, hopefully, functional and missional dimension to them, rooted in the, uh, in the locality areas that they're meeting. The structure, hopefully a structure that makes it easier for us to multiply and grow. Very important as we move over the coming years uh, to a bigger church. Also, these new, new devoted community plans will link us as elders, me, Simon, Sarush, and our wives, um, um, it, as, we, as we'll be overseeing these gatherings so that as an eldership team, we can be more closely involved in supporting community group leaders, being more strategically involved with what they're about and where they're going, drawing uh, them deeply into God's vision for the church and actually drawing us into the community life of the church. Another reason for these changing is to help new people as they come in different settings through Jubilee uh, to get stuck into the community life of Jubilee quickly. Hopefully these devoted gatherings will be uh, a better landing site for these new guys um, coming into the church. Not so small that new people feel a little bit un uh, uncomfortable and possibly intimidated, but not so large that they just get lost in the crowd. Hopefully a place where new people can start to call home. But it's actually not just about meetings either. These devoted structures will provide uh, us as, a, as, as an eldership, as a leadership team, uh, uh, they'll provide us a framework, if you like, a structure for pastoral care and discipleship in the church. As you all know who you're responsible to and for. For those of you who've been around for a while, it's a bit like our big groups and our small group structures uh, some years ago. But also integral to this devoted launch will be the smaller group gatherings that meet three or four times a month in the other weeks. This is very, very important too. This is something, this is not just, guys, commit to the big devoted group, commit to your smaller groups as well. For most of you, these will be your community group settings, 14, 15 or so people. For the larger community groups, that might mean a little restructuring allow those, uh, to allow those times of kind of closeness 
a bit smaller, deeper friendships and support and prayer times that you only really get in those smaller group settings. So that's, what, that's just a quick resume before I talk about the scripture that we're going to talk about this morning, that, uh, where we're going to be going over the next few years as a community, uh, as our community structure in Jubilee. Devoted gatherings, growing and multiplying in different parts of Teesside, made up of, uh, few, uh, of, of, of a few smaller community groups meeting together once a month. Smaller community groups meeting every week, the other weeks. An opportunity to step out and develop leadership, eldership involvement, pastoral robustness, an easier route in for new people. That's what we feel, Jubilee, is right for this next season ahead. Phil Moore, Phil Moore um, uh, one of our Bible teachers in New Frontiers, commenting on Acts 2.42, which a lot of you will know has shaped, and Sarush will actually be uh, uh, unpacking for us in next week next week. Um, He says on Acts 2.42, he says, the structures and meetings which form part of most local churches today, although intermittently despised by people today, we have grumbles every now and then, don't we, is actually, Fillmore said, is actually the very thing that saved the church from sinking under its great success. That's what we're praying for in Jubilee. Yeah fruitfulness of God. Now, I know some of you don't like change yet. Uh, Some of you might feel like, well, I like my group just how it is. Thank you very much. But can I encourage you to get alongside, get before um, these plans. This isn't just about you and your group, but actually it's about lifting our heads, all of us, to the bigger picture, seeing ahead to what God is doing on a bigger scale. Yes, there's going to be glitches along the way. Yes, we'll get it it wrong. I'll assure you of that. Yes, it will morph and change over the coming months as we sort out practical details. But we believe this is right for the next season. We We believe God has spoken to us about this and hence we're moving forward with it. If you're concerned, if you have any questions, come and chat to me about it. I'd love to talk to you, okay? So, clear as mud. It'll become clearer as the weeks go, as the weeks go on. So this morning, I want us to look at, it, look at what it means to be a community for all, welcoming all, what a diverse community looks like. Um, and why God puts such a high value on our differences, coming together beautifully like no other place in the world as the church. It was such an encouragement to hear Lizzie, uh, I think it was last week, uh, kind of thunder out those words, delight in our differences as she prophetically spoke what God was speaking to her. Delight in your differences. Um, God is doing something unique here in Jubilee. And the passage that I felt God draw me to um, as I've been praying about this is from Mark. Mark 3, actually, a slightly unusual passage, which sometimes we can just read without really thinking about it in any great depth. But actually, when we stop, when we pause to think about what it's saying, how the readers of the time might have reacted to it, we get a feel of how radical this community of new Jesus followers shook the beginnings of what ultimately became the early church family. So uh, let's read it, shall we? Uh, Mark 3, 13 to 21, and then we'll skip to 31 to 35. Mark 3. I'll be putting it up on the screen as well. 
Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to those, uh, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. They are the twelve. These are the twelve he appointed: Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter; James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who eventually betrayed him. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. And the crowd was sitting around him and they told him, Your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Some of you might relate to the embarrassment of that. Jesus said, Who are my brothers? And who, am I, who is my mother? He asked. Then he took, um, Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him, his twelve, and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you inspire Scripture, that these are your God-breathed words, that you came down from heaven and touched the earth and taught like nobody ever taught. You were filled with with God the Holy Spirit, and you changed lives through your truth, Uh, and through your prayer and through your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord God, just as you did that then, I pray, Lord God, that these very same words that you spoke in those times will change our lives, will transform us, will melt our hearts with truth, will bring clarity and zeal and excitement to the years ahead. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will build a church that is passionate for you and passionate for your call. In Jesus' name, amen. So, when most people read this passage, they they either don't really pay much attention uh, to it and regard it as just information about who who Jesus' twelve disciples were, or they major on the great privilege it must have been with Jesus uh, to, to be hanging out with Jesus for you uh, for three years. And actually, that's a good thing. Uh, Jesus was an amazing guy. Hanging out with Jesus would have been breathtaking. But in all the getting caught up in the wonder of being in G, uh, with being with Jesus, now that's a good thing. So you know, don't don't hear what I'm not saying. In all, all the goodness of getting wrapped up in the wonder of being Jesus, let's not miss, as we read this passage, how less attractive, scary, horrifying maybe, it would have been for those 12 band of new brothers to hang out with each other. That's what it's saying. And really, that's the point, you see, of this list. People would have been blown over as they read this by who Jesus picked that Jesus was calling these guys to be his new family, to love one another, to serve one another, to teach one another, to bear with one another. As John Wesley uh, um, uh, put it years and years ago, the Bible knows nothing of solitary on your own religion. Christianity is not a lone 
range of faith. So just a few things about what it means to do life together Jesus' way. A few things from this passage. Firstly, it makes us more like him. What's fascinating and shocking about this list is the diversity of the guys, the differences, delight in your differences, the differences that, uh, in these guys that Jesus deliberately chose. It's amazing. In fact, it was one of the main reasons we see them fighting as you read the Gospels and arguing with one another throughout the Gospel accounts of Jesus' life. Um, what do I mean? Well, what do I mean by the diversity? Well, take James and John. See what it says in verse 17. It says, To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. You know what? That is not a humorous nickname or a compliment like we call Jeremy Simpkins pumpkins in our family. That's, that's a secret. Quite the opposite, yeah? Sons of thunder, Boanerges, was a jibe at James and John. He, it was having a go at the fact that they were hot-headed, argumentative, temper tantrums in the middle of, the t- in the middle of Tesco. Have you seen that advert? Um, they were not nice guys to hang out with. When Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem for his final days, he sent James and John to prepare things. And when they get there, they, um, they find that at first the people aren't very happy about Jesus coming. Jesus' visit. And so James and John says, what are we going to do about it, Jesus? And in Luke 9, it says, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, what do you want to do? Uh, What do you want us to do? Call fire down from heaven and destroy them. Nuke them all. Sons of thunder. Bonegas. Or what about Simon the Zealot? Um, Who were the Zealots? The Zealots were the rebels got Star Wars in my head now. Sorry. The zealots were the rebels, always kicking off and causing uh, problems with Rome, blowing things up, creating havoc, setting fires, setting fire to things. They hated Rome and anyone who sucked up to Roman laws or officials, they hated paying taxes to Caesar. So what does Jesus do? Hi, Simon the zealot, meet Matthew. Matthew, tell Simon what you used to do for a living. I'm sure he'll be really interested. Uh, I used to be a tax collector. Great. You guys are sharing the same dorm for the next three years. Welcome to my life. What? Get away, Jesus. You can't do that. In fact, Matthew was in charge of what was called the Capernaum Road. Capernaum Road. And if you went in or out of that thoroughfare, that business route, he'd take your money and some more for himself, just as a perk for the job, fleecing each passerby day by day by day. Mr. Tollbooth was his nickname. Everyone would have hated him in Capernaum. Where did Andrew, James, John and Peter live and have their fishing business that relied on this thoroughfare? Capernaum. Welcome to my family. What about Philip? Well, his name was Greek. Yeah. And the, pe- and, and the people the zealots hated just slightly less than the Romans were the Greeks because they were involved in changing the culture of Israel. 
um, what was called the Hellenization of Israel. And it was promoted by Alexander the Great. In fact, Philip also had the same name of one of Alexander's sons. And remember, names were very important in those days. They said something about what was precious to you. Judas was the lone southerner. All the rest were Galilean northerners. Peter was the loudmouth optimist. Thomas was the pessimistic doubter. Jesus couldn't have, shouldn't have, possibly, picked such a different, difficult, dangerous group of people to get together and say, hey, let's do life together. Yet he did deliberately, very deliberately. You know what? Before I got married, I thought I was a really nice guy. (laughs) Easy going, chilled out, deluded, it would clearly seem. In fact, it goes a few years before I met Charlotte, when I met Charlotte and her Christian friends as they started working at James Cook Hospital and started following me about everywhere. No, it's the other way around, actually. Back in the 90s, suddenly these friendships made me realize just how self-centered and messed up my life really was. How sinful my life really was. And later on, as we started sharing life and home together when we got married, it was, it was partly like a mirror that I didn't really want to look into. That's what intimate, close relationships do. Your kids show you how patient you are, don't they? Mine do. Phil Moore writes, uh, again, doing life with others, doing life with other people, always relieves to us, reveals to us the depth of sin which lurks hidden away in our hearts. I like that. In communities, we press on sharing the gospel, living the gospel, declaring the gospel together, up close, lives entwined, that very same gospel as we move on that journey shapes who? Us. Through the disappointments, through the seeming unfairness, through our differences, through the celebrations, through the successes, through the ups, through the downs, God is revealing, lighting up things to change. God is perfecting us, transforming you, Jubilee, through life together. His name is being glorified in you, Jubilee. Doing life together will be painful and challenging, but Jesus says, that's how I want, I want, I must bear fruit in your life and mine. Question to each one of you. Are you a lone ranger? Some of you know who you are. Excuses and reasons. I've been there. That, group, that group's no good for me. Uh, when's the church going to sort that out? And now then I'll play together. Look as Ortberg titles um, his excellent book on community. If you haven't read it, he titles it. The truth, he titles it with a really clear truth. Everybody's normal until you get to know them. And then we see their real weirdness. That's what he says. And understanding this sure fact will hopefully make you realize that what you're looking for in the future, what you're looking for in terms of perfection, won't ever happen. So doing life together, Jesus' way, makes us more like him. 
If you've stepped out, step in. Secondly, community teaches us to serve one another. And verse, see what verse 35 says. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. What was Jesus' will? Jesus says in Matthew 20, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to, did not, did not come to serve, but, sorry, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. Jesus' will was to pour his very life out for others, you and me. It was to be other-aware instead of self-aware. Jesus shocked crowd after crowd as he broke all the rules, loving prostitutes, showing grace and mercy to tax collectors, eating with sinners, touching lepers, forgiving adulterers. His life was modeling a community altogether different from the self-righteous, hypocritical, pharisaical, tribal values of the day, which we see even now. Jubilee, Jesus is building the same community, that very same community here. Year after year, God is making Jubilee more and more diverse, reaching out across all cultural and social divides, different ages, different backgrounds, different paths, different stories, different uh, languages, different skins. Are you pressing in to the diversity and the rainbow of differences or are you keeping yourselves to people who are just like you, who you like? Are you getting uh, right in there, serving, loving, giving, sharing with people who are different to you? Are you making a deliberate journey on that di- in that direction? Are you taking your kids on that journey or are you a bit scared? Young people, singles, students, are you getting stuck into the church families, uh, into, into the life of church families? Are you, and, and church families, are you welcoming the men? Or are you just both waiting for the other to make a move? Jesus is calling all of us to do life together. As John John said this morning, let's do life together in a very challenging and radical way. In Luke 10, when Jesus tells one of the uh, teachers of the law to love your neighbor as yourself, um, and then he went on to uh, uh, tell the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan, When when he said, love your neighbor as yourself, he's saying, I want you to meet the needs of your neighbor with all the force, all the joy, all the speed, and all the power that you meet your own needs with. He's saying, I want you to look out there at people who you ordinarily might despise or you wouldn't normally hang out with, the ones who get up your nose, the ones who offend you. And I want you to meet their need, serve them like with, with, with a concreteness and a sacrificial love and vigor that, that, you would, that you would serve yourself with in the same problem. Yeah? That you would go to the same lengths for them that you would for you. That's what gospel neighboring is all about. That's what serving in the church looks like. Not just a job, it's a heart thing. It radically changes us. As we move into our new community structures, some of you will be encouraged to make some changes. Some of you, larger groups, will be asked to multiply into smaller smaller groups. Some of you, Stockton and Middlesbrough guys, will be encouraged to do life together. (gasps) 
totally opposite maybe to the very reason why you might have moved in the first place. To our international family. I love our international family. We would love you to embrace this, even though it might cross some cultural values. But hear this. We need you. The church needs you from Eritrea, from Iran, from Afghanistan, from uh, the Philippines, from other parts of Africa, from, um, from other nations. God is using you, God is using you to shape us and us to shape you. Trust him. Be part of this. Look if, look, if some of you in this room don't want to hang out with others in this room, heaven's not going to be a very fun place for you, let me tell you. Jesus' community is faith in action, a life of service to each other. Whatever our differences, delight in our differences poured out lavishly, freely, joyfully. Is that what doing life together looks like for you? This is challenging stuff, isn't it? Finally, biblical community reaches out. You know what? This isn't... I like that picture. Was it a leprechaun? Oh, sorry, tree, tree. (laughs) All of this isn't just a good idea that me, Sarush and Simon sat together and thought, hmm, good idea. This isn't just about feeling good together as often uh, Matthew says to me or uses the term, this isn't just about cuddles. Don't ask. (laughs) Biblical community has a purpose. Biblical community is God's plan to shape Teesside, the nation and the nation's. You remember how God spoke to us through that picture of a net spreading across Teesside, the nation and the nations, where each cross in the threads would be a community stretching far and wide, gathering people from all different cultures, all different uh, backgrounds together in the name of Jesus. That's why actually one of our community groups is called EastNet, John and Sue's group. When you read Acts 2.42 about how the Spirit of God fell on the early church believers, it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. Then what does it say was the fruit of that? What does it say was the outcome of that? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They had a diverse, growing dynamic, always changing, probably very uncomfortable, but missional, progressive, beautiful community life. And when Jesus told his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, what did they do? They planted churches. They planted communities that grew and grew and moved and changed and made a difference. Gordon Fee, a Bible scholar, says this, God isn't simply saving diverse individuals and preparing them for heaven. Rather, he is miraculously creating a people for his name among whom God can dwell and who in her life together will produce God's life and character in all its unity, diversity, and hear this, joy. That's the difference. Jesus tells us, bang on, when two or more meet in my name, I'm right there. 
right there, right here, right now. My power, my presence, my grace, my truth. Will you build and grow your communities, not just for your sake, but for the sake of others? Will you take the the difficult hits and and the awkwardness of community for the sake of God's mission? When you pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, will you live that out in the community life that Jesus tells us to live it out? When Jesus comes back, Jubilee, one day bringing restoration and renewal, I loved uh, Lou's prayer about the future and knowing that God is faithful now that I'm going to trust uh, God. When Jesus comes back one day bringing restoration and renewal, that is a future certain hope. The Bible doesn't say that it will be primarily for individuals. The Bible tells us he's coming back for a bride. You lot, stew, beautiful. For a people, for a city, for a body. In short, a fellowship of believers who will go out of their way with all its ups and downs, just like his first twelve, and do life together in worship, service, sacrifice and joy. That's where you'll become more and more like Jesus Jubilee. That's where you'll pour your life out in service to all sorts of people. You've never thought you'd have the grace for or patience for. That's where God will use you to bring hope to the bit of God-given world uh, that he's entrusted you with. That's where you will be with him. That's what Jesus said, didn't he, when he called his twelve, that they might be with him. Here are my mother and brother and sisters. Whoever does the will of God will be my brother and my sister and my mother. Jubilee, step up, step in. Faith without action is dead. Let's do life together. Yeah? Yeah. Let's stand. We're just going to worship all. Bobby, if you can come forward. I'm just going to pray. We're going to give you more details about our devoted community plans over the coming weeks. There's going to be a leaflet for you all. Also, probably on your first meeting, some of you will get more of the practical details in February, uh, where you're meeting. All of those things, we're going to get them out uh, in different ways. We're going to have sign-ups, as as I said. That's all the practical stuff. But I just want to pray that God will use our community structures, our community life, to make a difference. Yeah? Are you up for that prayer? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for community. Thank you, Lord, for community Jesus' way. Thank you, Lord, for the New Testament pictures of beautiful, joy-filled, sacrificial, generous, amazing communities. I pray that you will show your greatness, your healing, your wonder, your truth in all areas of our communities, Lord God. I pray that our communities will... um, touch this nation. I pray, Lord God, that communities will go out and touch other nations. I pray that communities will touch different areas of Teesside, Thornaby, Stockton, Middlesbrough, Ingleby, Barwick, the villagers, um, uh, Gresham, Eastside, all of those places, Lord God, Hartlepool. Come, Spirit of God, we want you to go out. We want you to send us out 
in your spirit, filled with your Holy Spirit, touching nations, touching lives, touching situations, and bringing heaven to those places. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to take our offering uh, as we sing our last song. Last song. Can I encourage you to pray for the community life of Jubilee over the coming weeks and also to get stuck in? Well done. Thank you.